Hi there. This is a little bit of a tricky time because I just finished my clinic. As you can see, I'm actually still at the hospital. Um, let's see. Um, I'm gonna rename you. Hi. Let me rename you so that I can pull you on and you, you're the only one here so far, so we can just get started. But we wanna protect your privacy, so I'll name you something like um, Moon. There we go. Hi guys, I think we've got some people coming on right now and we have somebody who raised your hand already. So if you haven't um, changed your name, you can do so or I can do it for you. And I'm gonna allow Moon to talk, okay. There we go. Take it away, Moon. I like that name. Yeah, <laughs> Very calm and peaceful. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to um, discuss an issue I've been having in the OR um, with this new group that I've joined. Mm -hmm. um, so I, uh, I'm an early career surgeon, um, newer, but not brand new. And I joined a very small uh, private practice a few months ago. Yeah. And um, our group has our own surgery center that's attached to our office. And um, because of the laws in the state, no one else except for us can use the surgery center. So I thought, oh, this is gonna be, you know, so much better than my previous hospital job where you can't get OR time, you can't get cases done, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so since I'm new, I'm not very high volume yet. Um, mm -hmm. So they have me following um, the owner of the practice, the head surgeon. Um, but there's been multiple issues where he, uh, un like books his cases, but like two hours, he'll say it's like two hours shorter than it is. Mm -hmm. just so they'll let him do the case. And then because of that, that delays me like a significant amount of time. Um, and this has been an issue every single Monday for four months. Um, you know, it led to them having to reschedule my cases, uh, you know, patients getting really angry, things like that. And then it got better for a little bit. I thought, okay, you know, the holidays are always busy, especially if you're an established surgeon. So um, now that it's, you know, the new year, it'll be um, not so bad following him. Um, on Monday, I was delayed by four hours and his first case took two hours longer than anticipated, which is fine. You know, there's always things that happen in the OR. Maybe things don't go according to plan, equipment issues, this and that. Um, mm -hmm. That's not a problem at all. Um, and then the second case of his was supposed to be really short and again, took two hours. And I thought, okay, well, no big deal. Things happen, you know? Um, but then I came to find out that he has a brand new PA and that PA is not a surgical PA. Um, he has been in family medicine for a couple of years. He doesn't know the difference between like an x-ray and a CT scan. Um, you know, he's like never really been in the OR. He doesn't know how to make an incision. And mm -hmm. for this second case, it's um, like I said, a very quick and easy case. So he usually just has his PAs do it while he's seeing patients in clinic. Um, but this PA, like I said, is brand new, doesn't know surgery and was in there for almost an hour and a half before the OR staff called his other PA to come over and help. And she got it done in like five minutes. Um, 
so I was just, just so, so I started my case like four and a half hours later um, mm-hmm. than I was supposed to. And I was so angry because again, there are many good reasons for being delayed in the OR, but yeah. leaving your brand new PA in there for an hour and a half when another surgeon is to follow is not a good reason. Um, and there's always this discussion with him, um, like the practice manager and I will go to him and try to make a schedule. Um, like if I have to add on a case that I have to get done, she'll tell him, oh, I need you to come at this time. I need you to come on time. This, that, and the other will come up with a whole plan. He'll show up 45 minutes late. Um, or he'll like add in another case. And then the staff is mad at me because I'm not, um, starting cases until 3 or 4 p.m. So on Monday, when I got into the OR, I told the staff, I said, this delay had nothing to do with me. Um, But I just feel uh, that my time and my patient's experience is just so blatantly being disrespected by him. Mm Because I have never, ever heard of someone just letting a brand new PA hang out in there for an hour and a half when he's already delayed me by two hours. you know, without keeping an eye on it, it would have been much more appropriate if he had his other PA go and help this new one, or if he just stuck around for five minutes to make sure the guy knew what he was doing. And, um, you know, of course, because he's a male PA, he didn't bother to tell anyone that he didn't know what to do. Um, uh, so, know, so. Can, can we get a clarification here? Yeah. Um, so this is a new PA. Yeah. I'm not sure what the laws are where you are, <clears throat> but, um, I just want to ask, is there maybe some kind of a patient safety issue here? Other, I mean, I know we're here to talk about getting delayed. Yeah. Just from like the medical legal standpoint, is that something that is normal or acceptable? Or um, For him it is. So this is um, like easy K-wire removal. Um, those removals I actually do in the office, but he does them in the OR, I guess, to bill for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he routinely lets his PAs do that. I mean, I actually had one of his PAs. I did a case where the pins were sticking outside of the skin. And she said, oh, do you want to schedule that patient in the OR for pin removal? I was like, no, that patient's going to put his clothes on and the pins are going to come out. Um, so this is like a routine thing that he does with them. <clears throat> okay. So that's fine. But is it... Um there's a new PA who was left alone. Yeah, I know. Okay. I mean, I think that's a safety issue. I mean, the patient was done under local, so it's not like they were under anesthesia for an hour and a half, but I certainly wouldn't leave a new PA alone that I don't know in my OR. Okay. Well, I just wonder um, like what the laws are or the guidelines where you are and like what kind of responsibility is there I don't know. I'm asking yeah. a question, like, is there some kind of responsibility for reporting or whatever? Okay. Well, I think the trouble is, is because he, it's his practice. It's been his practice for 35 years. He just does whatever he wants and no one can oh. say anything to him. And usually the practice manager is very good at keeping him on track, mm-hmm. especially if I'm to follow, but she was out, uh, she was in the ER for a medical issue all day. So oh. she had no idea this was even happening. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's get a model going where yeah. I have the C it's like, Right now, the way it is, you follow this surgeon at the mm-hmm. ASD, and then he has a new PA, and yeah. um, you know, we know that the PA was there doing something, and yeah. you're delayed. And the, what sounds like is 
like the overarching issue is that this has happened, you know, with some regularity. Right. So we'll say moon starts late regularly. And I personally don't care about starting late because I understand that I'm new. I understand that for financial reasons, we can't keep the OR open every day. Mm -hmm. But what happens is when there's problems in the OR with staffing, like the staff in particular gets mad yeah. when they have to stay late, the, uh, everyone is using me as the scapegoat. Your uh, case went until 8 p.m. I'm like, my case didn't even start until five. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. um, right. So, and it's like, optics for the patient and it's, um, right. You know, it's a multi, I can see how it's like a multi faceted issue, right? Like right. my patient was pretty angry when he left. He said, I'm the last one here. Cause I've been here all day. Uh, yeah. And I yeah. hate that for him. So when you're thinking about this situation as it is like, what's the top thought coming in? Um, so I did a bit of an, an unintentional model in my head already for this. Um, so my thought is that my time is not valuable to them and that my practice is I like my practice and my patients aren't valuable to them. I, is our, I get really tied up with these little details. Uh, it's and cause we're talking about two things, is, but is it my time and practice is my time and practice are. Are <laughs> okay, and so this makes you angry. Mm -hmm. And then when you're angry, what are you doing? Um, so on Monday in particular, I was fuming all the way home, and then to distract myself when I came home, um, I decided to start and binge Netflix, which I don't do in general, let alone on like a work night. Um, which then ended up leading to me going to like bed really late and being tired yesterday, you know, just essentially wasting time to distract myself from how angry I am. Interesting. So here, can you see what the result is? Yeah. So I'm wasting my time, which is like, I'm saying that my time is also not valuable to myself by wasting it. Perfect. You've got the nail, the model nailed. Yeah. I'm having trouble just with this in general, like the thought work of like the unintentional model I'm starting to get, but the intentional model, I'm having a hard time making myself like a convincing statement. Yeah. And that's really common in, um, so let's take, did you already work, get one going an intentional model going? Kind of. Let's see what um, we have and let's work with it a little bit okay. because sometimes, um, well, we'll just see, we'll see what you have. We'll keep the C the same. And then what is your intentional model? So I'm just going to write same C. Uh, what, what, what did you have so far for your intentional model? Um, so then uh, my thought would be, well, my patients are valuable and then I will just take the time that is needed once we finally get into the OR for them. Are valuable. I'm going to put like to me in the. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And when you say that to yourself, how do you feel? Um, more patient and more valued and more, I guess, part of the practice. 
which do you think is like the one that kind of resonates the most with this? Um, probably part of the practice. Cause when this keeps happening, I'm like, well, am I not part of your practice too? Oh, okay. Yeah. So let's see, how can we say that in a feeling included or, uh, um, you know, I would think maybe more, maybe respected. Like I'd feel more respected if they were to be reasonable about this schedule. But they're not being reasonable about the schedule. Yeah, I know. Yeah. When you're saying like, my patients are valuable to me, like, I don't, it, it's like basically saying, taking yourself away from them and, and just like, what are you responsible for in yourself? It's like, well, my, it doesn't matter what they think. Cause my patients are responsible to me. Am I hearing you correctly with that? Yeah, but I think that's actually not what I'm trying to say. I didn't write down my intentional model, which is why I don't remember exactly what my thought was. Um, But yeah, I guess, I mean, I hate to say this, um, but I guess my thought would be more me-centered than patient-centered. No, please, let's let's hear it. Um, Because the the thought would be, what, what would I think if they were being reasonable about the OR time? No, they're not being reasonable about the OR time and they're not going to be reasonable about the OR time because that's the C, right? The C is, it is what it is. So you're in your default model or the unintentional, or yeah, the unintentional model. It's like, you're thinking, gosh, like I don't matter to these people. My patients Mm -hmm. don't matter to these people. So if they are going to stay the same, how would you want to show up to the situation? knowing that they are going to do what they're going to do. Another question could be like, what result do you really want to have here? Um, the result would be that I would want to be, I would want to feel um, respected in the group that both my time and my practice are respected within the group. Okay. So you want them to, to respect you. Mm-hmm. But we know that like, maybe they do and maybe they don't. I don't, I don't know what they do and that's okay. That's okay if that's what you want as a goal. But um, we just have to be a little bit aware of when we're wanting somebody else to do something, we're never going to have that control. Okay. So then I guess in that case, the result would be that I want to be less angry when these things happen so that I don't end up wasting my time later, you know, being angry about it. I don't know yeah. if that's correct. So okay. it, yeah. I mean, it sounds like then really it's like you, you're in a sense, what I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's like, you want to respect yourself, like respect your time and what you have to give and what you have to offer your patients, because you do care about your patients and they do matter to you and you matter to you, that sort of thing. It's like, mm-hmm. it's still a respect, um, I think it's like still a a respect theme. It's just now you have control over it yourself. I hope this is making sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it does now that we talked about it. So yeah, it's like, okay, well, it's going to happen even though I don't want it to happen. So when it happens, okay, even if I get angry about it, because that's obviously going to take time to get over, I don't want to spend all this. I don't want to like waste an entire evening um, brooding over it. Yeah. Okay. So, so your result is you don't want to waste your time. 
own, you don't want to waste your own time when stuff like this happens. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what would you need to do to not waste your own time? Um, I think I'd have to be more con like more in control of my emotions and just not be so angry. Like I can be angry, but not let it, you know, don't be angry for more than a certain amount of time. And how would you accomplish that? So I don't know. And like, that's where I get stuck with the intentional model. Yeah. So this is, this is a great example, by the way, because so often we are just like at the mercy of what's happening in some bullshit circumstances around us. And, you know, it's one thing to say, like, we can use this model to figure out a way to like show up as this perky human, which I think is not reasonable. What we really want to do is figure out like how we have our most power in any given situation. And if we, if you don't like the fact that you go home and then waste time, then that's where you have your own power. So even though you can't change the circumstance, you can change your response to it. And so if we put the result in, like, you don't, you, you don't end up wasting your time when shit like this happens. Well, now we have to like, look into how to keep yourself regulated. And it's when we're not regulated or when we're like trying to avoid feeling a certain way. Like if you're so mad and you just want to like not be mad and you're just trying to turn that off or distract or avoid or whatever, then of course you're going to go do something that takes your mind off of things. And what's a really, like we always say as a superpower is either if you can be mad and not let it take you down or figure out how to shift your energy to a different emotion so that you can be more productive in whatever way that makes sense to you. So we can talk about either or both, like just sitting with the mad and not letting it overtake you or shifting to a new emotion. I think the way you do that is a sim it's a similar process, but it's usually some degree of like regulating your nervous system. So do you have any practices that you're using right now that help you to calm down? Um, just in general, over the last few months, I've been much better about not catastrophizing as much as I used to, mm -hmm. um, and not spinning down. So this is, I guess the first time I've been like this in a little while, which is good. Um, so that's, I'm going to put that in the A line because we want to put down our actions, but also the things we don't want to do. So we don't want to catastrophize. Yeah. Then other ways, I'll just name some just for time's sake. Like okay. there are lots of different ways that people use to regulate your nervous system. And these are good tools to have on hand. Uh, breathing, obviously, mm -hmm. is like number one. Breathing, breathing techniques. Yeah. I, for whatever reason, those, the breathing ones don't work that well for me. So what happens is I'll calm down for like three minutes and I'll be angry again, you know, five minutes later. Yeah. But that's really good information. That's really good information that you know, that your body is still, um, triggered in some way. And mm -hmm. so let's look at some other things that we can possibly do to help you, um, become more yeah. regulated. Like, I just put meditating. That's yeah. the obvious ones. Like sometimes people need to burn that energy off. 
I think I'm one of those people because yeah. on the weekends, um, I use the Calm app and I really like it. So on the weekends, I'll do a meditation. But what I find with like the breathing and the meditating and the journaling, whatever, is that that'll work for a very short time. And then, you know, an hour later, I'll have all the angry thoughts again. So I think maybe what you said is right, you know, burning that anger off somehow. And so people do that in all kinds of different ways. They could um, put on rage music and scream. They could, uh, you know, go do a kickboxing class. They could go for a run, um, you know, some kind of physical exertion or some kind of like purging, you know, some kind of action where you're getting the energy out. And um, I wonder if you could just explore different ways that you might just take like 15 or 30 minutes to just get it out, whatever that is. Like for me, what I would do is it starts with music and it's gotta be very loud and very hard, like rage, I call it rage music. And I just yell and yell and yell and yell until my throat is sore. Um, that would, I, that would probably actually work for me because I feel like I become very screamy when this happens. So that's yeah. interesting. I never, that's good to know that I'm not a breathing, meditating person. I'm like a birthing off person. Right. And these are all just tools. And so what we want to know is like what your body needs at that time. And it sounds to me like you're actually really getting tuned in to the point where you're like, okay, breathing is fine. And it's only lasting right, right now in this moment, it's only lasting for three minutes. And so I'm going to need to, to change my tactic. Like a lot of people don't have that amount of awareness. And so they keep trying to breathe and keep trying to breathe, which I mean, I recommend that you still continue to work on that because mm -hmm. you find that the practice changes over time. But also what I'm learning in this trauma response, trauma recovery teaching is how our bodies store. It's like storing a charge. It's like storing an energy. Like this emotion is almost like a charge. And when, when we say we get triggered, it's like that charge is triggered and it needs to be discharged in an effort for your body to be in a calm state. Hmm. So, okay. Maybe, that's interesting. Yeah. It's super. I, I feel like that definitely applies to me. Yeah. So um, then having some techniques that you could use to help you discharge the energy, I think could be helpful. So physical exertion, punching, pun like obviously protect your hands, punching, um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, I will say that I have been exercising every single day since like the new year, but what happened on Monday, which like added fuel to the fire was I was really hungry. Cause my, you know, cause I was so delayed, um, that then I was like, okay, I have to come home and eat something. I can't exercise. And then all the restaurants around me were closed and I didn't do any cooking over the weekend. So then I was like a combo of like frustrated that this happened and hangry and then like, didn't end up having any time to exercise. Yeah. I mean, we're just going to have those times sometimes. I know. And yeah. the other important thing to remember is, is we're all just humans. And sometimes you're just going to be fucking angry. Like sometimes you're just going to distract yourself with Netflix. And it actually doesn't mean anything has gone wrong. It only means something's gone wrong if you make it mean something's gone wrong. So like we can say that watching that Netflix was you wasting your own time? Like you're welcome to think that, but we could easily say, you know what? I needed a fucking break. And that's what I did. I gave it to myself. Yeah. I don't think that watching the Netflix was the problem. I think the problem was, is that I just like watched it until 2 AM 
in an effort to distract myself. Cause then I was like too angry to go to bed and stuff. Yeah. I hear you. And, And in those times you can just forgive yourself for being a human and just like, I just want to offer that as an alternative strategy as well. It's like, have some compassion for the fact that it sounds like that situation really sucked. And it sounds like you've had to deal with it over and over again. And so at some point you need a break and you gave yourself a break and now we're talking about it. So next time it happens, you're going to have some other strategies to handle. Okay. So how would you need to feel to not catastrophize, to do, to burn off the anger or the, I'll call it the energy burn to burn off, burn the energy off. I'll say burn or discharge. How would you need to feel to be able to do those things? Um, I guess I would need to feel that I guess I would need to feel that I have a limited time in which to burn it off. Like, okay, if I want to burn it off, burn it off for 30 minutes, but don't spend like six hours trying to burn it off. I don't know if that's a feeling or more of an action. Um, I think that's maybe a a little bit of a thought. It's like, which actually could be really useful for you. Like you're like, okay, let's imagine all this stuff just happened. You've got to follow this Yahoo at the ASC. So by the way, I'm editorializing your C to make it sound really dramatically bad because I believe you. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of over keeping the, the C super factual because I just believe people when they tell me how shitty things are. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so you have to follow this guy at the ASC. <clears throat> you got this new PA there and you're four hours late and your patient's pissed and blah, blah, blah. So maybe it could be something along the lines of this, it would make sense for this to trigger me. Okay. And so I'm, and so I'm going to allow myself a little bit of time to burn this off. Okay. I don't know if this if what I'm about to say affects any part of the thought or the feeling. Cause what I find helpful is I know that thoughts you've helped me develop in the past. Like I actually believe them. They're very convincing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my actual like concern with all this is fine. started late, waste my time, angry, whatever is then when I'm used as the scapegoat for like their delays. So yeah, I don't know if that affects like any of the T or F that we're about to do. Um, not for this model. It's a different model. Oh, right? okay. There's going to be, there are probably 15 models you could do on thoughts you have about this particular situation. Okay. One is you like in this T and your default model, it's like, this means you're not valuable. It means they like this, it's like, you're not being respected. You're not valuable to them. Now, if this T were like, it's not okay. They're using me as a scapegoat. That's probably also some degree of like, I'm not valued like okay. that lying meaning, but yeah. it's a different thought. And we would just need to plug that in and see how, see how that plays out. And maybe it creates the same feeling and all the same, um, actions and result, but it just depends on what 
thought you're plugging in to see how that's creating a result. And then if you wanted to also work on the scapegoating part in an intentional way, we would have to just do a different model for that. Okay. So I think this okay. model is this intentional model is designed at helping you to catch yourself in this anger, which is normal, and then not get derailed by the anger to actually just like shift a little bit. And I think okay. being able to let go of like, uh, <clears throat> like, uh, like, I think it's perfectly normal to be angry here. So it like, it makes sense, right? So that's, that's just why I suggested this. Like, if you don't want to waste your own time, and mm -hmm. th this is one model to work on that. Now, if you okay. want to work on the scapegoating thing, and then one other thing you might want to consider using the intentional model for at some point is like, now, how do you actually change things there for you? Because ultimately, mm -hmm. that's probably what you want to happen. Yeah, I know. I've had talks multiple times with the practice manager and the surgeon and she, oh, she keeps sending out these emails saying that Mondays are going to be my time. And then he just does whatever he wants anyway. Again, he owns the practice. He can actually just do whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. So um, it, that's like but, a different, you know, a different issue that yeah. probably won't be solved in this afternoon, but, um, right. but ultimately that's like what we're working towards. Like, how do we get ourselves into a position where we really are like in our own power, like trusting ourselves, understanding that we value ourselves to the point where we can show up then as somebody who can advocate for ourselves and our patients in a, in a way that suits us. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so let's just finish this up. So um, what feeling would you have if this thought, you know, if you think this thought, it makes sense, this would trigger me. I'll just allow myself to burn it off. Um, I guess relief that I can burn it off, but I don't have to spend, you know, the whole evening doing so. Yeah. So there you go. That's perfect. Okay. Um, this is a good one. And I think one that, um, probably worth continuing to work on. Uh, I know there's, uh, another one. No, we have a guest coach this weekend and then another session next week. Mm -hmm. But maybe on your own time, you can start to work with some of the other, you know, other thoughts or results you'd like to see. From this particular situation? Yeah, because this okay. one looks like a, it's juicy. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think you might be right. Um, do you have any questions about those models? Um. No, like I said, um, I think I'm getting better at the unintentional model, but in the intentional model, I'm having a hard time coming up with like a convincing thought. So I feel like, um, you know, with the sessions, um, you know, the thoughts that you come up with are better than the ones I come up with. And then I actually believe them, you know, it's not yeah. like, oh, whatever, this is nonsense. I actually, you know, use them. Um, yeah. in my mind when, you know, something similar happens. Yes. And also I just like to reiterate for you and for everybody who's listening is that when these things happen, that, that this default model describes, it is normal to have thoughts like this. It is normal to be mad and to be angry. It's normal. And so too, there's always that option of staying there and just feel like, okay, what can I learn from this? Like, 
also you can have more compassion for yourself and a little bit more like latitude to be angry. I'm not saying you have to, I'm just saying that's one option. Um, and other people listening who have similar situations happening, it's like, what do I learn here from this default model before we go on? And then, like you said, it's sometimes harder for our brains to kind of come up with other ideas because we're so used to being negative and that's normal. So this is good practice. It's good practice for me, for you, and for everybody listening. I'm really appreciative of you bringing it up. Okay. Thank you. It was helpful. Yeah, good. All righty. So I am going to... Um, lower your hand and then disable talking. Okay. So what we still have a good amount of time here. So anybody else have anything that they'd like to talk about? You can go into the chat or, um, raise your hand. Alrighty. There we go. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good. It's a snow day here. <laughs> I understand there's like a snowmageddon happening in a lot yes. of the country. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, and, and by the way, I think your hair looks pretty. <laughs> oh, thanks. Like, um, be big right now. <laughs> so here's uh, something I've been working through in my brain. Um, I take um, general surgery call. And uh, when a patient comes in that um, has a, like maybe a bowel obstruction or certain things that we're not going to operate on, um, likely, um, I do request that the hospitalist admit the patient. Um, and I had an episode um, a couple weeks ago where uh, the ER called um, me and talked to me about a patient. And I said, okay, it sounds like we can um, manage this patient conservatively. Can you call the hospitalist? Mm -hmm. um, and so they called me back and said, the hospitalist said, they're not gonna admit this. Um, and, and I said, well, I mean, I don't have plans for surgery. And so they did eventually admit it. The patient got better the next day and went home. So mm -hmm. no surgery involved, but, um, the, I, I assume it's the hospitalist, um, did a incident report, which then caused a chain reaction where the chairman of the department of surgery called me up and actually said, Hey, I would have asked the same thing. Um, and I also surveyed my partners and they said the same thing. But the, the problem I'm coming to with this as well is um, I, I think it was one of the hospitalists that I try to befriend also, like when they're in the doctor's zone. So I always try to, because that's kind of my way is to be, you know, nice and, and talk mm -hmm. about kids and, and, and such. So it, it kind of has been awkward too, because I don't know who entered the, um, incident report. Mm -hmm. Um, but now every time I go in there, I think it, is, I know who it is because that person won't even talk to me. So <laughs> oh, not that so I necessarily want to talk, but you don't know what, what person 
what even hospitalists would have filed that report. Right. For, okay. Yeah. Okay. So what's the problem? Um, well, there's probably lots of problems, but the, <laughs> my, I guess I want to feel okay with my decision that this does, this patient does not need to be admitted to the surgical service. Um, because that's backed up by my partners as well. Okay, that's good. Um, that's pretty important actually, because I wanna, hold on, I can't multitask as you know, here we go. Okay, so patient um, admitted uh, for non-surgical observation. Yes. Um, hospitalist first said no. And then like, how did the, how did the hospitalist change their mind? Well, the ER called me back and, and I said, you know, I, I don't have a plan for surgery on this patient. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's really not appropriate for I mean, I'm still going to see the patient, take care of the patient. Mm -hmm. um, but so I think they called back in the hospitals back and they didn't like that. And so, okay. So I'll just write first. They said no. Then they said yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, then, and then they wrote incident report. Yes. Okay. So when you think this thought it sounds like since the issue is, is you want to feel like you did the right thing, right? Like, it sounds like you're questioning whether or not you did the right thing. Even though all your partners and your chairman would have done the exact same thing you did. Right. <laughs> and they did. Yes. Okay. So like, like, why don't you believe it that you did the right thing? Well, I just, I don't want people to not like me. <laughs> okay. So that's super important, right? Because now we know what the real issue is. It's right. not whether or not you did the right thing. It's whether or not this other person likes you or not. Yes, probably Which is so. so common. It's so common, even though you know in your heart of hearts, like why would you have done it in the first place if you didn't think it was the right thing to do? Yes. And if that's kind of the way your hospital culture is, where if it's a surgical problem, um, or excuse me, if it's like yeah. not something that needs to go to the OR, then the hospitalist admits for observation. Like, yeah. Well, um, it's, it's interesting. You're like, okay, you know, you did the right thing. Do you believe that you did the right thing? Yes. <clears throat> and I, and I've done the right, done the same thing before that. And I've done the same thing after that. Mm -hmm. And part of it's probably, I don't think they write up the male surgeons too. So that's probably part of it too, but they may not. That may yeah. be it. Um, so the real issue is somebody doesn't like me or yes. it's possible. Somebody doesn't like me, something like that. So like, how would you yeah. phrase that in your own language? Um, somebody doesn't think I'm doing the right thing. Uh-huh. Somebody Okay, and when you think that, how do you feel? Um, 
well, then I feel like I have to tiptoe in and avoidance and mm. tiptoe, avoid them in the lounge, right? Yes. Um, so what feeling is causing you to tiptoe and avoid them? Uh, <clears throat> um, I'm probably insecure. Yeah. What else? Tiptoe in the lounge, tiptoe, avoid them in the lounge. Ask all, pull your partners to see what they yes, do. Right. <laughs> What else? Question yourself. And now I don't feel like I can have like this conversation about kids and <laughs> like it kind of, it just makes it awkward. It's not how I like, I want to be able to be like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, not be thinking my brain, Hey, this person wrote me up. This person could have written me up. Mm. So like makeup scenarios. Yes. Um, with like. Okay. So do you see what the result is? This is really interesting. The result is I feel bad. You do. <laughs> you're basically agreeing with them. Yeah. You're agreeing with them. And even though you know you did the right thing, like you can think about it and you could be on call tonight and have the exact same scenario and do the exact same thing. But yes. in this situation, you're like, well, maybe I didn't because maybe they right. don't like me now. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? This person's not even a surgeon. Yes. <laughs> so, um, like, we don't really ask non-surgical people to make recommendations about our decisions. Right. This is so interesting. And it's so interesting because of how much energy we give over to this kind of stuff that plays out because we're so concerned about like how we're going to be perceived by other people. Like, are they going to like me? And, you know, and it's like that kind of creates our worthiness or that creates our, our, um, yes. Like we deserve to be at the hospital only if everybody likes us there. It's really like everywhere it's insidious, I think. And I think this affects a lot of people. Um, so how, like, how do you want to feel about this? Like, what do you, what do you want? I, I, what I want to feel like is I did the right thing. Screw you. <laughs> okay. Does that feel like tangible to you? Does that feel like? Uh, probably not. I probably need some bridging thoughts. Right. <laughs> I wonder like why it matters so much what other people think. 
like why it matters to you. I know why it matters to me, why, what people think about me. Like I've kind of done some work around this, but I wonder if you know why it matters to you. Uh, I just feel like women are always trying to be pleasers. Yep. That's right. It's like, we don't really believe or haven't come to this place of confidence where we believe we have the seat at this table. And we're still just trying to morph to fit other people's expectations. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you that because I think it's important to understand, like, why do we choose this? Like, why? It's, a, it's in your subconscious. But at a certain point, when you become aware of it, it's like, okay, now we're choosing it over and over again. Yeah. Exactly. That's also good when you recognize it is a choice because then you can choose to do something different. Yes. So instead of jumping to like the super powerful intentional model, let's try one that's like a little bit more mellow with a bridging thought. So sometimes when I'm playing around with this sort of stuff and I'm like convinced, like somebody doesn't think I'm doing the right thing. They don't like me. So what I'll do is I'll just say something along the lines of like, it's possible that somebody doesn't think I'm doing the right thing. Okay. I'll just add that little thing or I'll add something like somebody doesn't think I'm doing the right thing. And that is okay. Because okay. it allows me to keep the thought, even though it's still the same, it's a default thought, but my brain is not ready to let go of that. And sometimes it'll never be ready to let go of that. It's just like, how do I soften it? How do I open up a little space around it? And so I think adding something in front or behind it, like it's possible somebody doesn't, it's, excuse me, it's possible somebody doesn't think I'm doing the right thing because that makes it sound like less like a factual statement. Yes. Or it's somebody doesn't think I'm doing the right thing and that's okay. Yes. Um, do either of those resonate with you or feel like a little bit easier to kind of hang on to? I like the, and that's okay. So if you think that, how do you feel? Um, better that, uh, because I'm feeling like I was true to myself. Yeah. Um, can you describe what that feeling might be? Um, relief. Okay. Two reliefs. A lot of women surgeons are looking for relief. Yes. <laughs> okay. And so when you feel relief, what do you do? I go in and get a soda and not worry about it. <laughs> Um, let's see what else. Um, I'll, I'll, you mentioned staying true to yourself. Yes. Like you can, you don't even have to be spending energy making up scenarios about if you're going to run into this person, cause it won't matter. Right. 
Okay. So then in the result here, it's kind of cool actually, because now like that person can think whatever they want and you can think what you want. It's like, yes. I love that because it basically means you're not, you don't believe them. Yes. Okay. I'll just say it like that. Yes. Um, how does that settle? How does that land for you? Much better. Yeah. And I think this is a great kind of shift where we can just open up a little space around the idea that somebody else doesn't think you did the right thing without you having to jump to this, like, fuck everybody. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, maybe we're not ready to go there yet. It's funny. I've said the F word like six times and I'm sitting in a pediatric clinic. <laughs> oh, wow. There's like wow. patients outside. <laughs> Whoops. Um, so I had this person, I'll tell you this story. And for all the urologists out there, I don't know how they will like this story, but that's okay. Um, I had an urgent add-on. It was a fracture with an ulnar nerve injury. And like the nerve was really densely involved. And I really wanted to get this fracture fixed because I wanted to get the pressure off this nerve. And it's like seven in the morning, my patient's ready to go into the add-on room. And then the urologist who was on call has his own room ready to go and wants to bump me in the call room to do a torsion, which is a very time sensitive case, but like he already has a room open and ready to go. Like he could bump himself yeah. and go right in, or he could take the call room and then keep his room ready for the next patient. And he didn't want to bump himself. He wanted to take the call room, even though he cannot physically be in two places at one time, but he wanted to delay my case and take the patient, you know, I hope that. Yes. So I was infuriated. And by the way, I'm nice all the time. So I was not arguing with anybody. I was just talking to the anesthesiologist and we're trying to like say, okay, well, what makes the most sense here? How can we get the most urgent patients taken care of in the most urgent fashion? Yes. And this guy lost his mind and he was going off in the lounge to me with all these other male surgeons around as the only woman in the room. And I was absolutely dumbfounded. Um, this was a few years ago. So I wasn't quite like in the trenches of coaching that I am now. So I think I would have been able to react a little bit differently, but speaking of like all of the energy I gave up thinking this dude didn't like me. And I'm like, I wasn't even in the wrong. Like I, I seriously am astonished by how much that impacted me. And I avoided that guy like the plague and I cursed him out under my breath and just had all of these, like, like the scenarios you're talking about, like, what am I going to do if I run into him? Like, how am I going to react? What am I going to say? Ugh. And I'm like trying to play out all these different scenes in my head if I was going to run into this guy. And then slowly over time, I just was like, you know what? He, he was not right. 
And I think anybody can make arguments about whatever, but everything happened in a timely fashion and he was inconvenienced because he had to bump his own room. And it took like, I don't know, two or three years for me to now be able to have a conversation with him. And we're back on speaking terms. And I don't know how it happened. I think one day I just let it go. And I was just like, hey, how you doing? And all of a sudden we're back, back on track. So I totally understand what you're saying here. Um, it's, it's a definite energy suck. Yes. Um, all right. Is there anything else you wanted to add there or questions you have? Nope. I think that's definitely helpful. Good. Very good. Okay. Let me, we have about seven minutes. Let's see if anybody else has anything. Um, does anybody else have anything they would like to talk about or share? Um, we've got a few more minutes left in the hour. I'm just going to throw this out there. So we have people in our group from every time zone in this hemisphere. And um, I think we have a couple international people too. So Kelly and I talk a lot about timing of this meeting because inevitably somebody's not going to be able to make it. And I just wonder if you guys could pop into the chat or say what time frame is best for your schedules. Or if this time is good. Um, then if you don't know or don't have a comment about the time, oh, okay, Wednesday afternoons work for me. Yay, me too, because I just stopped doing office on Wednesday afternoon. So it's now coaching time. Um, anything else? we got five more minutes. If there's anything else people want to chat about. Um, I promised a webinar series about trauma recovery and that's coming. And I think I'm going to schedule the first installment. Here we go. Hang on. Let me pause to read this question to everybody. I have a question about the last situation. If you go and talk to another surgeon or doctor who has misbehaved right away, isn't that also like people pleasing? I want them to like me. So I'll talk them, talk to them to smooth it over. That's a really great question. Um, maybe we could have... I'm going to, so Snow Day, if you could unmute and I'm going to allow Moon to talk too, and let's chat about this for a second. I can totally see what you're saying, Moon, about if you go up to that person right away and like try to smooth it over, could that be people pleasing? And I think the answer is yes, it could be. Or is it that you're just being a better person? Like I shouldn't say better person. You're just showing up in a way that you really want to. I think it matters what the feeling is driving, driving the going up and talking to them. So if it, if the feeling is coming from a thought that's like people pleasing, like I got to make them like me, then yeah, I think that'd be people pleasing. But if it's like, I'm going to take the high road, that might create a feeling that results in the same action, but it's like, 
a different feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, cause I think when there's, you know, 10 situations like you and snow day described, you know, there'll be the 10 situation. Then I'll like try to talk to them and be really nice. But I think you're right. It's because I'm actually coming from them. Oh, don't be mad at me that this tension happened as opposed to like, let's be adults and just move on type of thing. Yeah. And having that awareness, um, over like what's driving you to go talk to the person's important because you get to talk to them either way, but it's going to be your experience of it and how it's impacting you and your relationship with yourself. That really matters. So if you're doing it because you just want to be the adult or, you know, or what, I think that's important. Snow day, do you have any comments about that? No, I agree. That's, <clears throat> it's really where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Thanks. It's a great question. Um, yeah, it's a great question. Okay. Well, um, we're almost out of time. And so back to the trauma series, I'm going to offer a trauma series to the entire group. And I'm going to start out with, um, the first installment I think is going to be on Sunday. I think I'm going to schedule it for Sunday, but I'm going to start with uh, a very short webinar on self-care plans, because what I have learned is, is if you start going into trauma recovery work and you're not prepared and have a plan of how you're going to handle it when um, you become triggered, it is more of a painful experience and it can be less productive. So I'm going to start out with talking about self-care plans. And then from there, we're going to move into what trauma actually is and how it shows up in somebody's life as an adult. Um, okay, great. So early evenings, Eastern time. So we've got a vote for Wednesday afternoon and then early evenings, Eastern time. That's perfect. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Appreciate you chiming in today. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.